Have a few minutes? You won't believe what you can do with it. Open a Regions checking account online in as little as five minutes. Then enjoy award-winning service and banking tools and tech that help you live in the moment. Learn more at regions.com slash live in the moment. Regions Bank, member FDIC. Live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, inside the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel, it's time for Regions Business Radio. Regions Business Radio is presented by Regions Bank. Brave the beginning, member FDIC. Now, here's your host, J.D. Mueller. Thank you, Mike Salmon. Good to be with everyone today. Welcome to another episode of Regions Business Radio. Um, you know, I don't know that I've done this in a long time, but just by way of reminder, Regions Business Radio is a locally uh, Gwinnett-produced podcast focused uh, to connect our bank and our customers and our community partners with commercial uh, businesses and companies and entities in Gwinnett and in North Georgia. So uh, so that that's, that's why we do this. We think being local is better. And our vision really is to connect people through the, the podcast medium. So we bring valuable uh, guests in that have knowledge to share. And I think you're going to enjoy our guest today. Um, I'll introduce them to you uh, in a few minutes. But let me let me start by just saying a couple things about regions. Um, and as I was, I was driving into the studio today, I was thinking about two conversations I've had of late that I think are pretty telling about who regions is in, in Gwinnett and North Georgia. The first one is I want to recognize if I can, and there'll be, there'll be other episodes about the winners of this um, event, but last week the Gwinnett chamber hosted their annual small business awards luncheon. There were um, 400 people in attendance. There were many small businesses there and all sorts of different categories. I was blessed to get to read many of their applications and, um, and I got to meet all the winners, um, but there was there was something that was really interesting that that occurred at, at the at the at the business small business award luncheons, and there was there was a lady who I found out later because she was a winner. Uh, Donna Linden was uh, was one of the nominees, and I'm not sure what happened, but she was at a table for lunch. And and then everyone else at the table left, and and here Donna was at a at a table for ten by herself, and um, I had to go get some pictures made with the winners, so I invited her to come sit at at the regions table, so she sat there. She met everybody at the table, and um, and then we got to uh, the the category that she was nominated in, and she won the award. She won the award. And she was immediately uh, proud and emotional and energetic around winning this award. And, um, and, and you know, I'm so glad that we were there to celebrate with her. I, I, if she'd have been at that table by herself, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything against the folks that left her. Maybe they had something very important to do. But she, So she came and sat at the region's table, and she won, and the region's team celebrated with her, and she... It was it was a wonderful time, and and so I, I want to certainly congratulations to all the winners, um, but in spe- specifically to Donna Linden, who I felt was part of the Regions family that day. Uh, she's the owner and founder of Trinity Staffing, um, and we we may talk to her later on. But uh, just a shout out to Donna and what she did and what she accomplished by being recognized for her her winning um, 
uh, application as as a small business award winner. The other thing um, that I was uh, I listen to podcasts coming in. I listen to podcasts all the time, and there was um, I, I'm sort of studying branding yourself. I think even in a corporate environment. And um, uh, let me go ahead and do it. Our guest today, Rob Barnett, owner of Alpha Graphics in Sewanee. And Marty Parker uh, with UGA uh, Supply Chain Management, to be specific. Um, you know, we're all in sort of a corporate world, so to have our own personal brand isn't typically, you know, what you see in the corporate environment. But uh, in today's world, a personal brand is becoming very important, and and that's built by a story. And these gentlemen are going to share stories about who they are and what they do momentarily. But the the funny one I wanted to sort of share is couple years back um we were in a competitive situation for some business and it was a situation where it, it was like a blind rfp and we were we were brainstorming how to deliver this rfp that would separate us from all the other rfp you know submitters uh so the idea that we can i don't know if you know this or not but our um you know, at Regions, our, our sort of logo or whatever is a bicycle. You know, the Regions bicycle. It's a green bike. And, you know, my boss, Bill Lingenfelter, is on the commercial for the GHSA playoffs. And he's, you know, pushing this bike around. So we had this RFP. And we decided that we would take one of our Regions green bicycles and put an old-fashioned basket on the front of it, stuff that RFP in the front, and wheel it in the front of this business. Well... It turns out that those things aren't really allowed, uh, you know, for who we were presenting it to. So they were very kind. They were like, hey, we, we, we can't accept the bike, but thank you for submitting your RFP. You can have your bike back. Um, and the banker that I had on that is a guy named Phil Benelli. He's been on the podcast before. He's our senior banker in Gainesville. Um, so that happened several years ago. He was at a luncheon. He was at a luncheon this week. This week. So this happened before COVID. And, and, and they're talking about all this stuff. And a lady stops Phil during lunch and goes, you're the bike guy. You're the bike guy. And he was like, what do you mean? And she said, well, I work at so-and-so and so-and-so. And y'all delivered an RFP in the basket of a bicycle. Why, why do I share that? Because it's part of our story. Number one, how do you differentiate that for us? How do we differentiate ourselves in a in a market that there's 30 banks in Gwinnett? Everybody's vying for every every piece of business. How do we differentiate ourselves by being unique, by being memorable, by bringing good ideas, by doing stuff like Regions Business Radio? Um, so a neat story, you know, uh, you could deliver an RFP or you can deliver it on a bicycle. So that's what we did. So um, that's my intro. If there's anything that we can do for you at Regions, please reach out. You're going to enjoy today's podcast. Um, so let me start by introducing you to Marty Parker. Marty, it has been – so the intro's got to go here too. We're in 2021 America. I, saw, I found you on Twitter. You said it's Supply Chain Dog on Twitter. That's right. D-A-W-G. D, uh, of course, the only way you spell dog. Exactly. And, um, and I saw it and I thought, man, this guy's smart. I need to know him. So we connected. Yes. We talked on email. We've talked on the telephone because your expertise is in supply chain. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your, your expertise. 
So first thing I'd like to say, J.D., is uh, if you want to give us bikes, I'll gladly accept a bike because uh, parts are out about two years, so they're very valuable right now. Wow. It's okay. very hard to get a bike these days. Wow. Um, my uh, personal motto is I help students and companies grow and succeed. I help students uh, as a lecturer at UGA, teaching them, but ultimately helping them find jobs. They're not. Co I tell them they're not coming to UGA to hang a awesome uh, Terry College of Business degree uh, in their parents' basement. And then uh, <laughs> I, I help um, companies as a fractional C-suite executive. So I work as a COO, CMO, or CSO for uh, supply chain and manufacturing companies. That keeps my skills relevant and allows me to uh, actually bring in the students as interns. Uh, or full-time employees at the companies that I work in. Oh, wow. Uh, in the last two years, I've hired about probably 20 uh, two zero uh, interns in both marketing and supply chain at those companies. So uh, I love what you're saying about uh, personal branding because that motto kind of frames what I do yeah. and how I do it. And so when you invited me to be on this podcast, if I can help anyone learn about supply chain and the issues we're facing, I, I love doing that. Well, I love that you can connect the students to opportunities in a very specific role that really is all the rage in business. So there's two things when we go on our business calls, there's two things that we talk to everybody about. And, and it doesn't matter industry. It doesn't matter size. It doesn't matter geography. Number one is labor. And number two is supply chain, which is why you're here today. And our title for today's podcast is Supply Chain 101, not to discount Alpha graphics because we could work that in somewhere in the uh, in, in the in the title, but supply chain affects all businesses. So Marty, supply chain one hundred and one, lay it on us, man. Tell us about what it means and what it really is. So the definition is easy. It's sort of the movement of goods, all the physical things that we need uh, as a country um, uh, to uh, get them, use them, but it's also all of the information that goes with them. And so uh, it's like the movie, this is going to date me, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, when, uh, you know, John Candy and um, who was it? Steve Martin are trying to get home. And the supply chain is a little bit like that right now. We've got some goods, uh, you know, in various places in the world trying to find its way here, and it's, it's having a heck of a time. And uh, there are a lot of concepts around why that is. Um, the idea of bottlenecks, uh, a process can only go as fast as its slowest step. And, and what we are seeing real time that I teach is a, a bottleneck that, that's moving from place to place. Hmm. Uh, and so, um, you know, we need our stuff uh, and uh, the supply chain is and, and the people who are in it are the ones that get that to us. So that, that's a broad topic what are a couple of the primary issues with the current supply chain well that's, a, that's i mean the top two or three or the or, or at least the few that you prefer to talk about um so uh, there there's a bunch um i would say one we are um seeing massive changes in the demand curves so uh with covid uh everybody was staying at home and suddenly, for example, cooking at home, not going to restaurants, 
there was plenty of restaurant toilet paper or restaurant-grade food, but, uh, you know, grocery stores were running out because mm -hmm. that, that supply and demand curve changed. Uh, everybody was working from home. Now, suddenly, folks are going back into the office, uh, and they need cars to, to, to do that. So um, one big thing that's happening, and, and more than I've ever seen in my career, you, you would um, expect like the usage of something like toilet paper to be extremely constant, and mm -hmm. you, your um, supply chain and manufacturing uh, be able to predict what you're going to need and when you're going to need it. And that's not been the case at all with COVID because, you know, we haven't had a pandemic um, in 100 years or whatever it is. Um, and then the, the other challenge, you know, is we're in a pandemic that is striking in places that we just can't predict. And so, you know, China was shut down and, and the way they respond to the pandemic is just to basically shut the whole city down. Uh, so manufacturing would get shut down or maybe there'd be an outbreak um, in the port or maybe the the truck drivers or, or, or whatever it is. Um, or the Chinese New Year. I heard yeah, that was yeah. an initial part. When COVID came out, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, it, it was an right. interesting point because when COVID came out and, and sort of hit the shores, it was, it was coming off the Chinese New Year. And, and as I understand it, I've never been to China but I was trying to listen to some supply chain podcasts after I met you. Yes. Um, and uh, this guy on Twitter, he's called Huntsman. He was talking about, um, well, in China, during the new year, it takes you days to travel to your family. Then you spend a week with your family. Then it takes you days to travel back. So typically, U.S. manufacturers or distributors work that into their ordering. But you had that... Chinese New Year, let's say three weeks. Then COVID hits, everything's shut down. So that domino at the beginning was, I mean, it was off from the start. Absolutely. And that's a perfect example of why it matters for Regions Bank customers. If, if I were buying things that I needed as a business pre-COVID, I could safely place those orders in December you know, have a, uh, an expected amount of working capital that I need, suddenly you've got severe shortages and folks are saying, no, I need your orders six months in advance, nine months in advance. And if you're a small business owner, you've then got to wait for it to come in. You've got to pay 50% up front before you ever start seeing any revenue from it. So um, that all of my clients, you know, had to go talk to their bankers and figure out how do I get the cash for that uh, working capital and then how do I know when I finally get it in nine months that anyone's going to buy it an example would be uh, swimming pool supplies when when COVID hit everybody opened their swimming pool everywhere mm -hmm. it wiped out every uh, bit of swimming pool supplies you, you, you couldn't get them you couldn't get them anywhere well is that going to be the same next summer if, if I order uh, a year in advance and I ask you for working capital that far out, are you going to give it to me based on last, you know, this, this year's predictions? It's extremely difficult. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> there's, you know, there's so much underwriting we could talk about in that. In that yeah, no, in that scenario. It, you, it's why I'm here, right? It, it's, it is. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, uh, things are just taking longer to get because, 
um, factories are out of capacity, uh, the ports are out of capacity, trucks and drivers are out of capacity, uh, even warehouses. There aren't enough warehouses in the U.S. They're at 99 percent yeah. capacity. Yeah. So um, that all is is a perfect setup for the services you you provide at Regions because small business owners need you. Well. That and the conversation around how to navigate cash flow with these issues is dramatically different than what we used to talk about 24 months ago. Exactly. You know, when when we had a customer in Gainesville that manufactures some, some rubber, um, it's a great company, but... Um, and, and, and I apologize for describing it this way, but if you think about when you go to a bar, that little rubber thing where they put the glasses and they pour the drinks and it sort of catches all the, all the run over, those rubber mats, are a lot of them are manufactured in Gainesville. Well, our, our, our customer couldn't get his stuff. He knew it was in a container in Savannah, but he needed it. His, his employees needed the work. Um, he sent a truck down there to get it himself. I mean, you have some people that are doing, taking things on their own to uh, shorten the supply chain for their own business that they normally would not have had to do. In the meantime, we were talking about trucks earlier. That We got a customer up in Gainesville that can sell used, like, Peterbilt long-haul tractors more now, for more now than when he bought them, and they got 400,000 miles on them. The the whole thing is just so interesting. I started looking at cabs to buy. To maybe, and I've got some CDL buddies that will go and, and do long haul. I go, it's a perfect opportunity to do it right now. I mean, they've got a shortage of truckers. Mm-hmm. Buy yourself a couple of cabs and go hook them up to the trailers and, and haul them out of the ports. Is it that easy? No, I've got a, well, I've got a 3PL friend that, um, postponed buying the cabs um because the price was going up and now it's gone from something like 14 to twenty four thousand dollars. and when he went to place this um uh, recent order they said the lead time was eight months and if the price went up during the next eight months in the contract that you had to pay the higher amount take it or leave it um, so there's a there's a severe shortage of the the actual cabs as well. But there's some used ones out there you can pick up. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. Yeah, but I mean that's that's how things happen. You know, guys sit around they talk about how can we solve this problem, and it seems like it's uh, so. Th- this wasn't on our script. Is this a problem that can be solved? Yes, um, it's going to take time. Um, one thing that's solving it that's not making anyone happy is prices are rising, which um, uh, communicates scarcity. Uh, and uh, I was just discussing this with my students. I just did a, a 11 Alive News talking about um, used car shortage. And my students were like, well, should I buy a car? And I, I'm like, well, if, if you can avoid it, no. You know, if, if, yeah. you, if you absolutely have to have it, then sure. Um, and we, we discussed the fact that you think about it, your car is used what? one percent of the time maybe two percent so it's it's 98 percent useful capacity uh there are alternatives to (laughs) your car you know um and so the solution the capitalism solution is going to be somebody will figure out how to match cars that aren't being used with people that need them 
uh, or people that don't need it will sell it for a profit, you know, and make money from it. Um, factories will, um, you know, respond to the need. Um, I, as an example of the bike, I was joking, not joking about the bike, an entire eBay-type network around the world came up for bike parts. It just, it just out of thin air was created because the price of bike parks were going through the roof and everybody started looking their garages for old bikes. No to way. Pull, yeah, to pull parts off to make some money. So, I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about um, capitalism. Now, the, the other side of it is some of the resources need to be coordinated by the government in some manner. Mm -hmm. Capitalism isn't going to give us port capacity. It's just not going right, to happen. Right, it's, right. A, it's a shared resource. So it, it's going to have to be both things to, the, to get us out of this thing. So speaking – go ahead, Rob. i got a question about the port capacity. I keep hearing about a lot of the backlog in the ports and, and the containers that are in the ports are – because some of these states have allowed these companies to go out of business. They no longer need the goods that are in those containers sitting in the ports. So what do you do with them? I haven't even thought of that. Yeah, that's tough. I, I, don't, know, I, I don't know what you would do with it. I, I did read that, um, uh, or I saw on NPC News about two weeks ago, that because of uh, warehouses being out of capacity and truck drivers being shortage, they were dropping their... In trailers. neighborhoods. Yeah, in, in people's yards. Yeah, huh? in California. Abandoning them. Yeah. Near well, Long Beach. You know, I, I've noticed, um, and I don't know the name of the company, um, but between here in Gainesville and Flowery Branch, there's, like, it's called Pallet Wholesalers or something. And I wonder if that's what happens to some of those goods. Some of these people go and buy, you know, like, if somebody doesn't pay their lease for their self-storage, and and then the owner kicks them out. You know, people come and bid on them, and then they open them up and see what they get. Right. I wonder if I wonder if there's like leftover, uh, you know, units at the port. If if nobody claims them, I wonder Absolutely. if you go. I wonder if you go in and you buy them, and then you bring them home, and you're like, hey, I got a bunch of palm olive and uh, bounty right. you you know, paper towels. I see a business here, JD. You get us the money. We'll uh, this will be like your sixth or seventh business. Uh, I'll be your COO. Uh, why am I saying this live on the radio? Somebody's going to steal this awesome idea. But uh, no, that's that's absolutely the way you you solve this. Is people um, see opportunity in mm -hmm. that sort of thing, and that that has to happen. I like to think that um, I'm going to give a name to how we get out, and a, a part of it is the ingenuity of the american business person you know that we're all, we have a history of finding opportunity where people think it doesn't exist and then somebody really smart takes it on and you know it creates a whole industry or like like a bike part warehouse or whatever for i mean i got my dear lovely wife amy ran over one of the kids bikes and bent the wheel but there's a lot of it that's still pretty good i could probably you know make a couple hundred bucks on the parts but anyway no i but. i would agree and in atlanta gwinnett these are areas that are leading the country in terms of um supply chain startups it's a it's a very um uh, second largest number of supply chain jobs in the country in the Atlanta uh, area. No, absolutely. What do you mean supply chain startups? What are they uh, consulting? No, no, no. Um, how so? Supply chain is being disrupted right now in a good way. Um, and and uh, could uh, make uh, it more efficient. That's that's how it's being disrupted to to make it better. 
Yeah. Um, and so you have all these disparate companies that can't talk to each other on old computer systems. You know, mm-hmm. the trucking company has a computer. The port has one. The, the manufacturer has one. Oh, the yeah. The third-party logistics, they don't talk to each other. And and one of the things you need is a coordination. And um, there, there are a whole bunch of startups in that space taking the data, you know, using things like blockchain, artificial intelligence, um, to, uh, you know, take it and disrupt it and figure it out. And so, you know, and those, you're, you're exactly right. Those technologies and that ingenuity uh, are right here in, in the U.S. and right here in Atlanta. One of the, uh, this company, uh, Stored, uh, S-T-O-R-D, is on my uh, supply chain board. The third employee was one of my students, Alex Kent. He's, I think, their VP of sales now. They just hit a billion dollars in valuation. Oh, wow. And, and they're right here in Atlanta, and they're all about getting all of that data uh, and all of the um, inefficiencies out of the supply chain. Uh, there, and there are quite a few companies working on doing that. All inefficiencies gravitate, gravitate towards efficiency at some point. Exactly. They have to. Yeah. I mean, that's, you learn that in business school yeah. first year. That's exactly right. Well, you think about, but, but, and please, let's not go into it, but there, there are, I mean, you have ports that are unionized, you have politics in some ports where you don't have politics in others. So as much as we as uh, American capitalists want the capitalist, you know, system of business to take this thing over, which we think it will, some of the hurdles that exist are bureaucratic and um, regulatory. Um, but I still think that we get through those because, you know, the the students that you're teaching, they have a new idea that hasn't been thought of before because their perspective is, is you know, today's perspective. It's, you know, they're going to be the ones that, that break us out of this thing. Entrepreneurship's the answer. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Says says Mr. We, Entrepreneur. Well, if we don't get regulated out of it by the government. I mean, yeah. that's yep. the problem. I mean, we've got ideas. We know how to make them work. Yep. But in a lot of cases, they won't allow us to do it. Or they make it more so difficult for us to do it that you, you just you don't give up, but you just get frustrated. Well, and we keep finding – we keep asking why. You know, I think a good, you know, a, a, a good businessman, good businesswoman – if, if you ask why or why not enough, you get you get to the right answer, you know. Um, so so back to these supply chain companies that are in Atlanta, sort of northeast Georgia. Can you go a little not by name, but uh, you know how is the do you know how the supply chain disruption is impacting our region? Um, you know I. I'm trying to think of some examples. Um, you know, I, I would say, one, every company is understanding they have to uh, have really good computer systems to track all of these kinds of things. So mm-hmm. the clients that I have up here are automating things. They're looking at robotics. They're looking at drones in their warehouses to count things. Um, you know, and that's that's the response to a severe labor shortage and a in huge amounts of uh, increase in in um, in wages because again it's scarcity right mm-hmm. uh, six million people dropped out of the workforce and you know honestly these are not necessarily jobs folks want to do the one I 
talk about, I think is going to go away eventually, is counting things in a warehouse. I tell my students, you know, I'm old enough to have met people that pushed buttons for you in an elevator. That was a terrible <laughs> job. Nobody wanted that job. Uh, that job is gone. I think you still have to have somebody pump your gas in, I think it's New Jersey. New Jersey or something, yeah. 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 Um, there some fun videos to watch. People in, it was a western state that just passed a law to pump gas. And it was, there, the videos were interviews with people that didn't ne had never pumped gas and didn't know how to do it. <laughs> quite, quite funny. I bet. But, but um, that job, counting stuff in a warehouse, that's the future job. There's drone technology, RFID technology, yeah. camera technology. All of that gives us perpetual inventory. So we always know what we have. So we know we can meet customer demand. You then get all the um, information that you need in the whole supply chain along with that. You need less working capital for inventory. You can spend that on more, you know, you know, better producing things. Right. So right. Th those are the kinds of trends that I'm seeing in okay. companies. They're, they're when you say drones, I mean, you can find drones around in a warehouse? Absolutely. Hmm. And Absolutely. We, we print a lot of barcodes for, I mean, for trucking companies or for uh, service companies just to keep track of their trucks, and they're just they're scanning them with an RFID. Yep. I, when I was, I didn't go to Georgia. I went to West Georgia, but I can remember when UPS started scanning the barcodes. And, you know, it was, I mean, all my guys had a little holster and they'd scan everything. And it was, it was so crazy then, but now it's, you know, now it's what it is. I mean, it's you think about how the peach pass works, the peach pass, or you think it's how top golf works. Yeah. There's an RFID chip in that, in golf, that ball, golf ball and you know exactly where it went and how far, it, how far it went. Uh, yours go farther and straighter than mine, Rob. Um, but nonetheless, that tech. But I'm just intrigued. I, I think I'd freak out if I walked in and a drone was flying around. And we got some really nice uh, warehouses as customers. Um, you, you have to be a pretty skilled uh, drone pilot to to do that. Well, it's it's automatic. The drone flies around by itself. And really? And, oh yeah, it reads the stuff by itself. It's you don't like the the uh, Roomba. The Roomba. It's yeah, it's a Roomba drone. Is it really? Yeah, no. You just set up. Uh, Y'all are freaking me out. I need to get out more. Well, we, we could spend the whole day talking about these technologies. I mean, and they're springing up in the U.S. literally every day. I just met a company. It's it's up in this area that um, the guy was a former guy at Delta. And you can take pictures of things. It will upload everything in the picture. For instance, like, say, a beverage cart from an airplane. Um, and it doesn't have to be ordered in any way. The, the artificial intelligence will take the picture and count exactly what is there and tell the computer. So uh, I, I've seen the technology used like there's lumber over there stacked up, take a picture, it can count every piece of wood. That, that's the kind of changes in technology that I'm seeing. And normally that would be a human being having to go yes. like count oh, yeah. it. Um, I, I, I'm familiar with the construction industry because I worked in it for 23 years. And what you would find is the construction company had one or two months of inventory. The building products company had one or two months of inventory. The manufacturer had one or two months of inventory. The raw material supplier, they needed about, I don't know, a week. If they had properly communicated through the whole supply chain with the kind of okay. technologies, yeah. then you can use the working capital on more productive 
things. Gotcha. So well, and, and look that, from that, a banker's perspective, that's probably our least advance, our lowest advance rate is going to be on inventory already, um, where we would advance more on AR. So I would exactly. think that if you can if you can manage your inventory so that it's lower and turns more quickly, you don't need that advance rate as much as you would when you can sell more and have higher AR. That frees up some working capital. Um, let me ask you this, Marty. Uh, by the way, so does we've had a couple of great CPA partners on the podcast. More Stevens and Tiller and uh, Forstall CPAs up in Buford. Great guys. Um, both of them have, uh, you know, audit service where they, you know, they perform, especially in the construction business where they need audits for their bonding, but they have manufacturers, wholesalers, distributors, the same type of people that we want to bank. Um would 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 I wonder if CPAs would ever use that technology for their physical audit counting of inventory? I mean, it's got to it's got to get to that point. I would think if it's not already. Well, I that's mean, not I, a question you can really answer. I'm just sharing. You know, not hmm. not to upset the CPAs, but why would you need to audit it if it's perpetual and and recorded by a drone, 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Yeah, um, and there's I, nothing to audit anymore, inventory wise. Well, there's there's not, but I think that that's part of what 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 an audit. That's that's a primary function of the audit. Right, it would be quite you know, easy to audit. You know, you just you're just scrolling down through. Anyway, I'm sorry to chase that. It's just so interesting, yeah. and I can't wait to see what we as a bank do to help companies do that, especially right here in Atlanta, where um, and this is going to a question that I wanted to get to. You know, the busiest airport in the world. It's not just um, it's just not pedestrian traffic. It's cargo traffic. We got Savannah. We got uh, Charleston over in South Carolina. Um, but, you know, we have the inland port coming to Hall County. No, that's not Gwinnett County where we're sitting today. That inland port is going to have a profound impact on a variety of industries, you know, in northeast Georgia. Have you have you looked into the inland port much? Do you have any thoughts on that? I did. So you, you're capacity constrained with the, um, you know, the port situation, the driver truck situation. You know, being able to add capacity – uh, and quickly move goods on a train, uh, you know, up into this area, uh, it's going to have a profound difference. You're going to be able to offload faster. You're going to be able to get it here faster. You may be able to get it to your folks faster. So um, it'll begin to de-bottleneck at least the goods that are coming up here. Uh, and so anywhere you can do that, uh, you know, I teach about bottlenecks. The system can only go as fast as the slowest point. Now, that might create some other bottleneck that you then have to address, but at least you're addressing, um, you know, the port bottleneck. And, I, th you know, up in this area, you think about uh, the, the, the warehouse space in Gwinnett County is crazy millions of square feet. Uh, the, the, the 85 corridor that's filled with distribution um, centers, then you got manufacturing that, that covers, you know, from Norcross north to uh, Gainesville and beyond, just sort of, I would say, sort of norther, northerly topping out at Kubota, just north of Gainesville. Um, from Everything from OEM suppliers that are going to be shipping things in, uh, access to 85. I hope um, there's a lot of energy around it, and I, I hope that maybe it can come together a little more quickly than we would have, would have thought because I think it's just going to be a great addition. Um, do you think 
in light of what you shared, I think we already know the answer to this, but is there a chance that these bottlenecks that you talk about, that we all clearly, now some of us clearly see because we talk about it every day, my mom and dad in North Hall, they probably don't see it. I mean, you know, they go to Walmart once a week and they're not in business like we are, you know, but do you, do, is there any chance that this provokes some sort of resurgence in American manufacturing to bring manufacturing of items back on shore and, and, and manage those domestically so we're not reliant on, you know, a thousand ships being docked or, you know, off port somewhere? Yeah, I've, I've seen several stories that that's beginning to happen in some very specific industries. It's quite tricky, though. Um, I, I know of a, a client uh, or a potential client that um, had Chinese manufacturing and uh, U.S. manufacturing was trying to make this particular product, but hadn't made it in a long time. So uh, believe it or not, the, the Chinese factories were highly automated at a really good quality control processes and trying to start up in sort of a manual way here was quite difficult. Mm -hmm. Now, with some time and with some learning, right, because it, it, there's, there's a whole learning process, um, I, I think it's possible. And we are still a top manufacturer in the world. We're two or three, you know, China, um, United States, Germany. Uh, and, um, you know, I think we'll continue to be. Some things because the raw materials are here. Yep. Uh, why would you make toilet paper anywhere else? We have all the, you know, we have all the to the raw materials here. Um, it, it, it depends on what it is, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. But yes, I think um, everyone is scrambling to find something outside of China. Uh, and that's causing capacity issues in Mexico, capacity issues in every other you know malaysia all, india yeah. all the places they're trying to go because they're out of capacity too so you know that's an opportunity if folks can figure it out what what i would hope we would do is figure out how to do it better you know not not how to just do it exactly the same way mm -hmm. uh you know maybe use better technologies use better you know robotics use automation um those kinds of things but yeah uh, you've got to have um You've got to be able to compete on the world market now. So even if we, um, you know, have a resurgence in manufacturing, it doesn't allow us to um, not do that well because we're going to be competing on the world stage. That that ship has sailed, no pun intended. Uh, well, it, in my world, and and Rob was in the banking uh, business for a while, and this this is going to resonate with both of you, I believe. Um, what I what I equate, equate what you just shared with in my mind is there's a difference between making a decision for capital on rate and fee compared to access to that capital. Um, we had a situation where a client needed to buy a piece of equipment. Um, there were two, there were two uh, avenues that we could go within the bank to help them. This is an $800,000 piece of equipment, and those two avenues came down to a uh, longer process, perhaps cheaper rate, expedited process, a little bit higher rate, and the expedited process that was easier to get the capital, although you paid a little bit of a premium, was the way to go because they needed it. They can't hire employees right now. Nobody's working. They needed to automate. Um, so if, if we're talking about uh, – it, it just it just makes me think we, – we, 
I think that we went to China because we could get goods manufactured at a lower price. Compromising, now we understand compromising some quality in some areas. I would think if, you know, there's some pride in American made. That's correct. And and the quality thereof, uh, if we could find a way with technology, with ingenuity, to almost replicate the uh, the automation and what they do in China and do it on our shores with, with our quality, that could be a home run. No, absolutely. I work um, as a chief operating officer for a small um, manufacturer in Clarkston that makes compression garments. Okay. Uh, and his big uh, differentiation point is uh, uh, customization. Okay. So uh, you have certain kinds of surgery. You need these garments. Um, well, if you order, you know, a, a boatload from China, they're the same size. You know, you get two or three oh, yeah, choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you order from him, you can get exactly what you want in whatever combination you want. Oh, wow. And so that's a premium over just the, the cheapy stuff, and it's it's better. You know, we're making lithium batteries here. We're making Teslas here. Um, I would rather make the high-margin things than brushes or, um, you know, some commodity. Right, right, right. Uh, and and so, I, you know, I think, uh, yes, manufacturing, but manufacturing of things that people around the world are going to want to buy from us because we can make it better, and, it, and it's a high-margin product that provides a lot of value, right. if that makes sense. Oh, it does. So there's a big difference. and. Uh, I don't know that we ever want to go back to making some kind of, you know, injection molded commodity thing that um, that's mass produced, like a T-shirt would be an example. Um, I, don't, I don't know the math would ever work, but lithium batteries or Teslas or yeah. uh, or these unique uh, compression garments, absolutely. That's really cool. That's a really great con- – we could talk about this for hours. Um Thank you for coming on today. Thanks for being here and bringing your, your knowledge. The, the final question would be, um, and you mentioned this earlier on, you know, uh, what are some skills that, the, that your students are acquiring in your classroom that some of our listeners may be looking for as they recruit and hire young talent that may have an expertise in supply chain coming out of your classroom? So it's a great question, and I often get folks our age talking about, oh, Marty, what about those millennials and that Gen X? And my response to that is they're extraordinary. They start Mm. businesses. I have used interns, 20-year-olds, to launch e-com, e-com websites and e-com distribution. I have used them to implement ERP computer systems. They are smart. It is so much easier for them than it was for us. We had to go to the library and get a book to learn something. They can Google it and teach themselves anything. Oh, yeah. And so um, with the right guidance, uh, I have learned they can do virtually anything. I've got uh, interns uh, helping increase the sales for companies and their marketing efforts. I've got interns implementing computer systems. I've got interns... Um, implementing lean manufacturing. I've got them, um, you know, improving efficiencies in warehouses. I've found that there's just about nothing they can't do. Wow. And so um, we've got a ton of them looking for internships and full-time roles, and folks can just reach out to me directly if they want to hear more about our our supply chain students. But 
in five years, I've placed 50, uh, 60, 60 of them at the Home Depot. I placed about 10 or 15 at Georgia Pacific. I placed 10 or 15 at West Rock, uh, and then um, all over the country. Uh, and uh, all I have to do is place one. The product is them, and that's why oh, I, yeah. I talk about it in terms of um, they are the output from the Terry College of Business. They're phenomenal, uh, and all I need to do is get one of them in your company, and you will hire them forever. Yeah, my um, my daughter's an accounting major at Terry, and uh, my boss is on the board of advisors of Terry. We uh, Regions Bank loves Terry. Our uh, the the president and CEO of Regions is a dog um, from Terry, so we have a lot of connections there. Um, I hope that. Uh, those that are listening would 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 reach out to you they can find you at the uga supply chain website like i said before supply chain dog d-a-w-g uh, on twitter and um this is this is good uh conversation for you to have individually because every situation is different so um i love it That's yeah great. yeah no i um my record is 14 students in a day i help them with their resumes their linkedin page and then I'm essentially a matchmaker with companies. Wow. And, and any company that uh, wants my help, please please reach out. And oh, I'll match nice. them with, frankly, the best students in the world. That's amazing. That's that's amazing. Thank you. Man, that's inspiring, too. I feel like a goofball for the mass comm degree from West Georgia, which I love, by the way, which I love, which I value a great deal. Um, Marty, that was wonderful. Uh, the other voice you heard in there is uh, – my buddy that I introduced you to earlier, Rob Barnett, who who is an entrepreneur, that 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 chimed in with some of our conversation there. Um, Rob, you you own Alpha Graphics in Sewanee. Any hits from the supply chain with what you're doing? You know, we're seeing a little bit just in cut sheet type paper. Um, you know, that's coming in boxed, and a lot of it's domestic. I mean, we're not seeing a lot of it coming from over. You know, it's the pulp mills and people like that that we're having a hard time getting some things from. We're able to get it in parent sheets, which is the bigger 40 by 28 sheets that we can cut our own cut sheets on mm -hmm. our guillotine that we have in the shop. But um, not a lot of sh not a lot yet. Okay. Now, during COVID, we saw some. Um, you know, the acrylic got a little yeah. scarce there for a little <laughs> while because we've got a CNC router and we cut a lot of uh, shields for for buildings and yep. law firms and county offices and courtrooms and all kinds of places. But um, and the uh, PTFE, um, we had a little bit of trouble getting the thinner plastic because we were making a lot of face shields and manufacturing those. Uh, and Face shields? Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Face shields? Yeah, the face shields. You're a sign that, company. That the first responders were using, we were yeah. donating them all over the world. And um, Well, I'm being facetious. My yeah. point in bring, being facetious is if somebody drives by and sees Alpha Graphics Swanee, and they only think that you do signs, oh. then they don't know all that you. I was no. because companies needed different things when COVID hit, and you were there. I mean, you were on Eleven Live News yesterday. You were on Atlanta News several times during COVID. Yep. What? What? I think that's a wonderful success story where you met the needs of the community um, during that time. You just Tell have to pivot. I mean, it's, you know, you see an, not necessarily an opportunity because I didn't look at it like an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I looked at it, what can I do to help what's going on right now? And when I did it, I didn't even want to be on the news. And one of my 
somebody found it, put it on Facebook. It went viral, and I get a call from WSB. They want to come out and, and take a look at what we're doing and talk to us about the, the face shields. We were sending them to hospitals, police forces. I sent 30 to an Army unit in Italy. Oh, wow. Um, anywhere, you know, and it, we got to a point where the hospitals just insisted on buying them. You know, we'd given them away so many, they just said, look, we're, we can't get them. And the N95s, they were making them wear for days on end. If they had these plastic shields that went in front of them, they weren't getting contaminated, and then they could wear those N95s and, and not have a contaminated mask on. Oh, wow. Because they couldn't get new ones. And, you know, I mean, we do all kinds of stuff. We do custom packaging. We brand things for people. I mean, that's one of the biggest things we do is, is – uh, is brand individuals uh, i had a story a friend of mine's son emailed me the other day he's got a, a company called southern detailing and he goes can you make me some business cards i mean young entrepreneur i said yeah i'll even do the artwork for you for free and we'll sell you you know give you a discount on the car i mean anybody that's an entrepreneur i'm gonna try and help any way i can yeah yeah uh, especially at that age that's I mean, your heart 16 17 year old kid you know and it's he just is doing his best to try and forge his way yeah well and still in high school oh you know control and, uh, the controllables but you know you talk about branding we do a lot of branding for people from individuals to small companies to multinational companies okay um we do a lot of branding pack branded packaging that's specific to them that they want to do for customers or for employees or for whatever and wherever um well i mean i i, I like to think uh, if 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 somebody thinks of Alpha Graphics as you know, you you did my daughter's uh, graduation sign. Yeah, you do so much more than that. Think talk talk to like packaging and like commercial packaging or something like that. What what would you do in that in that regard? Well, we'll print uh, logos or specific things. You know, uh, member guest tournaments at golf courses. Okay. Yeah. 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 Instead of giving a bag. Yeah, we'll make you a box, any shape, any size. We'll print the course on it. We'll print the sponsors on it. We'll print whatever you want on it, any size or any shape of box that you want. And then you can put all that stuff in the box, and you can hand that out rather than hand it out in a plastic bag to somebody. Um, That's a great idea. New That's employees, wonderful. churches for people that are just coming in, we do a lot of stuff for. Uh, okay. where we'll print boxes for either new employees at the church or new members of the church. or Yeah. Um, we'll do... I mean, all kinds of things. I mean, so in that world of alpha graphics, um, you know, how do you compare sort of in size and scope to what you offer compared to uh, my, my, my point is you, you run a, a very large operation compared to your peers. It's a little different than most. Um, but, you know, it's like I've always said to them and to corporate, I go market to the highest common denominator. Mm -hmm. market to us because it allows the small guy to come to us and get yep. maybe not make the same margins he would if he had that equipment in his office but he can still make something on it and yeah. it makes him look bigger mm -hmm. if he comes mm -hmm. to us so right. um and there are a lot of them that are our size around the country i mean there's 255 nationwide okay um but you know if you i always say if you can dream it we can print it nice i like that you know you you've I've had people come to me with stuff. Can you do that? Sure, we can do it. Or we'll figure out how to do it. I mean, and you always do ceramic tiles, all kinds of stuff. We would be flatbed printers if somebody wants, you know, their initials printed on a ceramic top for a backsplash in a bathroom. 
Uh, we've got a <laughs> wow. UV printer that'll do that. We've wow. done them for septic tanks. We've done them for golly i mean all kinds of things the point is if you want something branded call rob barnett he, yeah, he will put your branded, logo on anything <laughs> except for your forehead right no tattoos at no the tattoos no nah, we don't have any tattoo artists. what's your great what's your favorite success story at alpha graphics do you have one i mean I, you help a ton of people but is there something that sort of sticks somebody was in a bind and they needed something right away is there something uh, that pops to that, mind that's a daily occurrence okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean we get more calls uh, you know i need this i need 500 in them and i need them this afternoon you know and sometimes we can do that sometimes we can't depending on how busy we are depending on who it is yeah um relationships matter they absolutely do i mm-hmm. mean if we've got a big customer that's got something that needs to be done immediately um we have a lot that you know at the end of a the year they say we've got this amount of money to spend and this is what we want to do we do promotional products we do um you know, if you go on our website at agswanee.com, go to promotional products, you can find tens of thousands of things to put your logo on. And, you know, we can take those and create a box for you and put the button, put them in the box and they can. Oh, yeah. They just get it all right there. Yeah. Um, okay. So we know that Alpha Graphics Swanee can put a logo on anything. We know that you can turn it quickly if, if needed uh, under the right circumstances. Um put you on the spot for a second tell us about your experience with regions commercial banking well they've been great i mean during especially during covid i mean there were times when we were having cash flow problems and you know we needed a line of credit and they found the quickest and easiest way to do it it was the same story you were saying where you could go a longer term longer underwriting or pay a little bit more money and get it now we had it both from a line of credit standpoint for cash flow and also from CapEx uh, purchases. There mm-hmm. were certain equipment that we needed to buy that allowed us not only to be more productive during COVID, but would put us way ahead of people when we came out of COVID that they would give us equipment financing for. Yeah, very good. Um, that, that really helped us out a lot. I mean, you know, you've got some great support people. I mean, Bridget. Bridget. We, <laughs> we I mean, said it at the same time. <laughs> Bridge is she, awesome. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. Well, so. thank you for sharing that. Um, we're very proud to help you. We're proud to help your employees. Um, and we're happy to have you on today. I hope that, that this helps you. And, uh, Marty, I hope, I hope that uh, you're helped as well. Um, any closing thoughts? Anything? So you said you weren't in the helping profession when you were talking about me, but you were wrong. <laughs> well, you you know, I think we all in, as business people, business leaders are, and, you know, you all helped thousands of small businesses make it. And I think, it, you know, that, that was really critical um, at, a, at a time that was so difficult. Uh, so thank you, J.D., for, for what you and Regions have done. Yeah, we we're very proud of that. A lot of survived. Yeah. Uh, and looking back, uh, you know, whether it was working all day on Easter, um, I remember having conference calls at 3.30 in the morning. Um, you know, it wasn't, we had to stand up an entire system. Yes. That first round of PPP hit, hit pretty hard. The second round, we, we, uh, we did a really, we did a good job all the way through my, my little team, five bankers, Gwinnett, North to Highlands, North Carolina, East to Athens. We did 131 PPP loans for $61 million. Wow. Um, in the state of Georgia, there were 112 max loans of $10 million. Two of them were on my team. Um, both of which have already been forgiven. Wow. Um, so, so thank you for saying that. Uh, you know, I don't, that was just another day's work for us. Um, 
we we uh my team is very engaged uh you will find that as we continue on our relationship as rob's already attested um you know we uh we we have sort of a mantra um that we never sail on the first call because we need to listen and we never call alone at regions we're really good at making sure we build a team around all of our customers because a business owner might have a uh you know a an estate issue or maybe they want to do a buy sell and we're doing a lot of that right now we're doing a lot of that right now um james altisher who's a who's a businessman from used to be from new york now he's in florida was talking about what COVID did was it compressed many timelines where if you were planning to retire in 10 years some people retired in one if you were planning on selling your business in 10 years there have been a lot of businesses being sold and we're advising in those situations we're helping to find buyers um, so when I say commercial, well, it's like it's like you, Marty. Uh, international uh, document documentary collections from foreign ARs. I mean, we're Regions Bank. There are people that that only think you can get that from J.P. Morgan Chase or some of these other larger banks. We're doing it locally in Atlanta, Regions Bank, and it's working out really well. So I, sorry to do a little commercial there, but um, as folks are listening, I hope that helps. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Um, one of our longer episodes, but with great content from start to finish because a, a, a great longtime buddy was here and a great new buddy in Marty as well. So, Rob, thank you. Marty, thank you. And that's going to wrap up our edition of Regions Business Radio. I appreciate you listening. Uh, if you have any questions, you can find us at regions.com. I do ask you, if you're inclined, you can watch um, Regions uh, Commercial Insights podcast. You can Google that and find us um uh, a podcast produced uh, at our corporate office in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. So uh, thank you for listening to Regions Business Radio, and have a good day. <laughs>